Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. As we stay in this, this place for a bit, you can stay up with me, Gabby. You guys can go in good. Uh, it was it was neat that Hope alluded to Isaiah 61 because uh, I already planned. It's like right here. Uh, I want to pray that over you as we start uh, this message. Um, I don't know if you know much about Isaiah 61. It's this beautiful passage of uh, Isaiah saying, the Lord has anointed me. The spirit of the Lord is with me. And so we're about to read that in just a minute. Um, But then Jesus takes it and brings it into fulfillment in Luke 4, where he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me. And, and then he literally does everything he does. Like he, he binds up the broken. He calls out the captives. He, he heals the blind. And it's this beautiful image. But as we sit in on this transition from last week where I taught purpose to this week where we're talking about purpose, I really wanted to say if this is the, the authority that Jesus brought, the authority that he then handed us, then as he is revealed, as he says, uh, the, the Lord has anointed me, we can probably say the Lord has anointed me. The Holy Spirit is upon me. There's purpose to bind up. And so I'm going to pray this over you. You can read it out loud. Some of you can just receive it. But this is what it says in Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Do you realize that the spirit of the Lord, the sovereign Lord is upon you because he's anointed you to bring good news to the poor, the poor that are around you, that, that, that you see those who are poor in spirit, those who are li- literally cast out in our society. You have been anointed. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening the prisons. For those who are bound, Jesus takes uh, this, this different definition. And he says in Luke, he goes, the recovery of the sight to the blind and let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. You've been anointed to comfort those who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdresses instead of ashes. That's the beautiful thing is that, yes, our king does this, but he now it's a part of the kingdom culture that we grant headdresses. We give praise, like in in excitement. We call people to gladness instead of mourning. We give them garments of praise. Like this is the beautiful thing that the Lord has called us to be a part of. That we may be all called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I'm just going to pray in the room. Father, in this place, like I'm just aware of the fact that there are some broken hearts that you are desiring to bind together. You're desiring to mend. There are some people who still have the idea that they are captives. And you have proclaimed, you, you're calling your church to proclaim freedom, which literally means to call out freedom, to shout it from the rooftops. You have been released. And so God, I just pray that we can align in that purpose. That as we talked about last week, it is not something separate from your kingdom. That me up here is never going to do anything uh, ulterior to what you have called them down there to do. But together... Father, we can we can move mountains by your power. That the gates of hell cannot stand against the kingdom of the living God. And so God, in this room, I pray already that a binding happens to the brokenhearted, that there is a release, that we can proclaim freedom to the captives. That those who have been blind to your word will be able to see it clearly. That there will be a recovery of the sight in this place, that the oppressed 
will go free. God, I pray that as we sit in on what it looks like to be people who partner with you, as we sit in this morning in the awareness that, that where two or more are gathered, you are. And somehow you've blessed us with the ability where two or more are gathered, you like to reveal yourself. You make yourself known. And so God, in this place, I pray that people, the spirit of timidity will be called out. I pray in this place that people won't sink in the back of an organization and will actually stand up and be part of a community. That there is purpose granted in the kingdom. Lead us, Jesus, in this idea of purpose. To you be the glory in it all. Amen. Glory family, you guys can have a seat. Thank you. Hope, when you were like saying, uh, you know, Isaiah 61 says this, I'm like, oh, she's on. She's on the, she, we're, we're on the same wavelength right here. Yeah, we, we got it. We got the same thing going on this morning. Uh, if you are joining us maybe for the first time, uh, we are diving into this word purpose today. Uh, maybe you were with us last week. That is exciting. Uh, oh, I was about to, I will knock things over if they, if they are up here uh, on accident. I've tripped many times. It just, it's just, it, it gets a little messy. Uh, but maybe you're here for the first time. My name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here, and I'd love to get to know you. Um, fill out a Connect card. We are in a series, though. I told you, you've probably picked it up by now. We're talking about purpose again. Well, don't worry. This is about a whole thing, a whole topic of spiritual growth. We've been in a series for the past few weeks now. This is week six, actually, on what it looks like to actually grow in our faith, in our relationship with the Father, with our relationship with the Son, the Holy Spirit. So we've, we've talked about some fun things, but we're sitting in purpose today, and uh, I am really excited because our, our, our world likes to claim this word as something fully, you know, to deal with you. And we told you last week, I told you last week that the word purpose actually has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Christ, often Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? We talked about that. The mystery is Christ in us. So I gave you this little point. Maybe you, if you, those avid note takers last week, continue to take notes this week, okay? But those of you who took notes last week, you wrote this down, that uh, in Christ, the next one, uh, in Christ, we have a united, right, general purpose. And within that, we discover our individual specific purpose. Now, I, I wanted to start off this week with this, to remember, like to remind, to call back to memory all of this, because often we want to know what we're called to do, and we think that God's going to teach us what we're called to do as we try to do it alone. And that's like the opposite. So last week, literally the whole thing, if you remember anything from last week, remember you cannot do it alone, right? Like the purpose is united. If you try to operate outside of it, you're no longer in God's will. Like if you try to understand your calling and it's uh, at odds with his people, then it's not your calling. It's not your gifting. And so I'm excited to dive into that more and be prepared. We are diving deep in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, all right? Uh, we are, I, I alluded to it, the church at Corinth, I will let you know, really had a problem with these two ideas. There was a whole lot of people in the church of Corinth who were realizing, hey, when I pray, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon me, and I start speaking in different tongues, tongues of angels. And as they were doing this, there, there became a hierarchy attached to the, the church. And as people were standing up and prophesying, they, they were uh, doing so at odds with other people trying to prophesy, and things were just getting out of hand. And Paul says, hey, your specific purpose is trying to be done outside of the united purpose of this church. And so he's trying to like, you, you cannot operate in a way that will bring division. Then it's not in God's will anymore. And so th these are the people that we're talking about. This is literally where we were last week. If you remember, I said I was a little blunt with me, uh, myself. If the pursuit of knowing me, which I want to know myself, right? Like we, we all would like to know ourselves. But if the pursuit of knowing Greg and exercising who I think Greg is, if the pursuit of that 
ends up making me at odds with you. If it makes me um, have a different belief than God's kingdom, if it leads me to doing things that will hurt you, then it's no longer a godly pursuit. And I do that in everything. Like if I pursue this activity and if it brings me to be at odds or butt heads with the kingdom of God, then it's no longer my purpose. Like, because at the end of the day, I want to preach Christ, not preach Greg, right? At the end of the day, I want followers of Christ, not to build up the followers of Greg. And I cannot do something if it's at odds with his people. And so I told you last week, like even as a pastor, I'm up here but I submit myself to you. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. There are gifts in the body that, that are a part. My purpose is not divorced of your purpose. In fact, I need you to care about my maturity, right? Like we talked about that. And I'm so excited because it is ultimately when we then sit in a church. I mean, I, this is my life. It is ultimately my, when my mom passed away and I discovered for the first time in high school what the church was, and they came to aid. I had Christmas presents because the church bought them for us. We, we had all of our bills were paid because the church paid them for us. We had people at our house. We, we lived like 15 minutes away. Anyone ever, like, you were in a suburb, but, like, you were the outside. Like, we lived in the middle of nowhere. No one would ever come and visit us. But after my mom passed away, every day, people from the church were with us. I learned what the church was. And as I sat in that, Greg transformed. Literally, I, dis I discovered boldness with the word of God. Not because I was operating by myself, but because I was operating for the first time with people. And I started realizing these ideas that I had uh, and, and these, these words, these desires to grow people were festering more and more. That's where I decided that well, I'm called in the ministry was because I saw how people comforted people. I started seeing the holes, the, the, the mistakes. I started desiring for growth for people. You see, it's when we are submitted to a local church, honestly, when we walk with local believers, we start getting transformed and we discover our individual specific purpose. And I'm so excited to dive into this with you like, uh, because it's when you seek to have compassion actually for people more than yourself, right? When you, when you seek to have love for people more than yourself, you actually start realizing, wow, this is so much greater than me, myself. So if you will, I'm going to just pray um, because we're going to dive into what these specific things are. Um, and uh, I will tell you, I have never taught yet on the spiritual gifts with Glory Church. Um, but we're going to dive into the idea that when, uh, when people rub shoulders, <laughs> you ever realize like uh, when people live in raw community, when people who are being transformed by the image of God are operating together, things start happening. Like it, things start happening. God will reveal himself through love. He will reveal himself through a word of wisdom. He will, he will make himself known. It's one of his favorite things to, to not be a distant God, but a present God. Like Jesus loves to make himself known through his people. But we have to get this idea of unity. We have to get the idea of glory to the Lord at the forefront of our mind as we dive into this. So I'm, gonna, I'm excited because many of you may have very strong opinions of what it means to be spiritually gifted. All right. Many of you may have scary opinions or some of you are like, that's just too kooky. And so you're going to want to check out or you're going to be ready to hear something you want to fight against. And I'm just going to tell you, we're going to call that out. Like that's not going to happen this morning. All right. We're going to sit and submit ourselves to what the word of God says because you are gifted people. And if you actually want to know who Jesus is, you will hunger for him above anything you can do. And that's where we're going this morning. Because I'm so excited to dive into it. Uh, so I'm just going to pray. Father, I just pray right now a, an awareness, an eyes opening to your word. Jesus, make yourself known. Father, I just pray that as we submit, we will realize that we are not above your word. God, we are not at odds with your word, that you have redeemed us, you have brought us, you have enabled us to share in the inheritance of the saints. 
So God, I just pray right now that uh, things that are at odds with your word will be vanquished, will be cast out, that we will submit, we will be excited to hear from you, God. I just pray that you teach, that you lead, that you guide, and that ultimately you get the glory for it all. Because I want my people, I want our people to know our purpose, both collectively and individually. So God, I just pray that you make yourself known. To you be the glory, Jesus. Amen. So as I said, uh, there's a whole host of things you can find if you want to Google what it looks like to uh, have a purpose or what it looks like to be gifted in the spirit. There's a whole lot of things. There's all different backgrounds in the room of what you've heard or not heard. I'll even tell you there are like three main passages in scripture that dive into gifts of the body, the things that we get to do, what separates us. And I will tell you what those are, uh, those places, but I'm only diving into one of them. All right. So we're opening up to, and if you want to get prepared for that, we're opening up to first Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. Um, and we're sitting in there, but Paul also talks about the gifts in, uh, in Romans 12, as well as Ephesians four. Now, if you want uh, to just, I need you to hear this. This is a little bit of like a side. All right. This is the fun little pastor, Greg talking like the, the fun little differences, uh, because we like to, and this has ha- what has happened. If you know anything about church culture, we like to take those three lists, compile them into one and then say, this is an exhaustive look of what the spiritual gifts are. Here's my assessment that you can take, that will have you questions, and you can say, if that feels like you, put a five. If it doesn't feel like you, put a one. And at the end of the day, we're going to answer all of these things, you're going to wind it up, and you're going to discover what your gift is. That's not what we're talking about today. In fact, there are three different ideas, there's three different places where Paul talks about the gifts, and can I just tell you, these are not, they're not three books in one book, like the Bible is, though it is. Listen, these are three individual letters to three individual churches where he has an intent and a desire as he's writing to them. Does that make sense? So anytime you read scripture, it's not for you first, right? It was for the church of Ephesus first. It was for the church of Corinth first. And so if you really want to learn what it means for you, ask what it meant for them, and then see how you're connected to them. Does that make sense? That's just a fun little thing. I love the Word of God. That's just huge. Uh, So chapter 12 of Romans and uh, Ephesians 4, those are very role-centric passages where you will read like what we wrote, uh, talked about last week, uh, that Christ gave the apostles, some to be prophets, some to be teachers, evangelists. Those are very role-centric gifts. Those are like, this is the office that you play. In Romans 12... It's also very role-centric. He says the teachers need to teach. Those who exhort need to exhort. The, the givers need to give. And, and so it's just, uh, it's a lot of offices. But what I'm most excited is chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians has very little to do, if, you, if you're with me, very little to do with what role you play and more to do with what you have the ability, the authority to do by the Spirit in whatever role that you play. Does that make sense? So what I love about this is we're not going to talk about the mercy gifts. Like we're not going to say, oh, I got, I, it's told me one time when I was in high school that I was hospitality is my gift. And you're like, oh, cool, hospitality. They got prophecy. I got hospitality. I've got gifts of mercy, whatever that means. And you, that's not what we're talking about. We're not saying, oh, he's a teacher. That's his gift. No, that is not the manifestation of the spirit. That's a role that you can play in the, in the body of Christ. But the manifestation of the spirit comes as we participate with him. And so we're talking not about what role you have in this place, but as you operate in this place and seek to know the spirit, he will give you an awareness of how you operate and what you can do as you participate with him in whatever role you do. Does that make sense? In whatever. So I'm really excited. I hope, I hope I've gotten you like, whoo, pumped up. Um, because personally, I really struggle with uh, spiritual gifts assessments. Uh, 
I think there are too many people who, this might step on some, some, some feet. Um, I think there are too many people who have said no to obedience because they're not the teacher. I think there's too many people who've said no to obedience because they're the hospitality. Too many people who have said no to what it looks like to obey the Spirit of God because they're not the evangelist. And so I, one of the most gifted women that I got to meet and I got to rub like shoulders with early on in ministry was this woman named Awen. She was like 75 years old. The first time I ever met her was my first job as a youth pastor. She was up on a work table, like a 75-year-old white woman. And she's just throwing like compartment, like compartment paper around, like getting it ready for the children's ministry. And I'm like, who are you? And she's just up on that long, large table, just getting it ready. I got to know Awen in that context would have been told for years, Awen, you have an administrative gift. So guess what role she played in our church? The administration. You are a helper. So that's what role she played. But I got to know Awen. And guess what that woman could do? She could drop a word of wisdom like nobody else and the spirit would move, she would speak, and freedom would come into a place because she would bring a word of wisdom. Now, if that was quenched, which too often it is, because you behind-the-scenes people need to start prophesying when you need to prophesy. You need to start using discernment instead of just putting up your, your little thing on the side that says, Glory Church, I did my part. No, your part is to, mana- is to be present so that when the Spirit is revealed, you will partner with Him. And so I just, that's when I, uh, okay, Does that make sense? I might be the pastor, but I need discernment people, right? Like I might be the pastor, but I'm not the word of knowledge. The spirit is, and he may manifest that in one of you, and I need to know it. I want to be a part of it. Does that make sense? I'm excited. Woo, here we go. So Paul says this. He says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. I love that. Like, these idols didn't talk, but somehow you were led by them. Like, I need you to realize that, that there's something wrong with your perception. Like, you, you, you did, they didn't speak, yet you were still led away. But I want you to understand that when one is speaking in the Spirit of God, if he ever says, uh, Jesus is cursed, that's not the Spirit of God. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, I, he starts off this, and I'll, often I listen to like six messages on spiritual gifts this week, and literally all of them skip verses two and three as they get into the gifts. It's so funny. But I think I, I was like, should I do that to save time? And the Lord was like, no. I need them to realize that Corinth was a hot mess of desiring spiritual things, but not really understanding which was God and which was not. And so, like, it's huge because he says, now, concerning the spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. That word is fun. I don't want you to have a wrong perception of. I, I don't want you to pay no attention to or to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. Or this is the best definition. It said, I don't want you to grant the wrong attention to spiritual gifts. Like, that word is fun, ignorant, uninformed. And it's really exciting, though, to take it even more, um, because if you want to, in your Bible, highlight something, highlight the word spiritual gifts so that you remember this, because this is the only time in all of Scripture that this specific Greek word is translated as spiritual gifts. The only time. It's really interesting. Every single other time in Romans 12, in Ephesians 4, later on in this, like later on in this section, Paul will say the word gift, which is charisma. It's a beautiful word, a grace gift, the favor of the Lord. And so he say he gifted, he charisma. And so it's this idea of gift. But for some reason in the English, we liked to call what he said in verse one, also gift. 
but it's actually so much beautiful, more beautiful. It's a word pneumatikos, which is this right here, uh, P-N, that's a fun one, pneumatikos, and it means spiritual ones or supernatural power. It literally means, hey, now concerning the spiritual ones, I don't want you to be uninformed. In fact, like if you want to have a fun little thing, uh, you know in Ephesians 6 when Paul says, hey, uh, our battle is not with flesh and blood. Do you remember that section? He's like, it's with the principalities. It's with the rulers, the spiritual forces of evil. Like that's what he says. He gets a little crazy. It says the pneumaticos of evil. In other words, they're spiritual ones of evil. But Paul right here is talking about the spiritual ones of God. It's really cool. So when he's saying this, he's not saying, hey, about the gifts, the activities. Hey, about the roles that you play. I don't want you to be uninformed. He's saying, hey, about this spiritual life. Hey, about your partnership with the Spirit. I don't want you to be uninformed. Hey, about the supernatural power of God in you. I don't want you to be uninformed. He says later on, like, this is the only time it's ever called spiritual gifts. Paul will say earlier on in 1 Corinthians 3 that, like, they're spiritual ones. I'm like, why didn't you call it that here? Uh, But the spiritual ones, he is saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. So he continues in verse 4, now there are a variety of gifts. Can you put that up for me, man? There are a variety of gifts in the pneumaticos. There are a variety of gifts in the spiritual life. There are but one spirit. There are a variety of services in the pneumaticos, the spiritual life, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities in the pneumaticos, but the same God who empowers them in everyone. You see, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And that's all I read last week. You remember, and then we jumped to Ephesians 4, where we're going to dive in to this a bit, because each is given the manifestation. That word is fun. That, that word means each is given the revelation of, that God chooses to disclose himself. He, choose, he chooses to make his presence known by his people, and it's really beautiful, and it's for the common good, Right? for the common good, but at the same time, it's not about gifts, it's not about service, it's not about activities, it's about the spiritual life with God. And so I'm really excited to keep going because, in fact, as we dive into this, I'll just let you know, the worst thing that we can do to our purpose is, one, individualize it, which is what we talked about all last week exhaustively about, but also systemize and even unspiritualize it. Now, I need you to understand this. The worst thing you can do to your purpose in Christ is to individualize it, to systemize it, and to unspiritualize it. Literally, Scripture says, and and, uh, Josiah told, we were talking this week about it, one of the guys in our church, and he said, uh, following the Spirit is like following the wind. Like, literally, we are called crazy because the Spirit, those of faith follow the wind. There's no system to the wind, right? There's no system to where the wind blows. There's no system to where the Spirit leads. So the worst thing you can do to your purpose is individualize it, systemize it, and unspiritualize it. It's too long. We have looked at the section that we're about to read, and out of some denominations' fear of being too spiritual, and out of some denominations' desire to be spiritual, we have either tried to systemize, we've individualized, or we've completely unspiritualized what is about to happen. And that is nowhere what Paul's intent is at all. This is very spiritual, but it's not individual, Corinthians. This is very spiritual, but there's no system. You can't teach this like this. You can't, you can't have a, an, a, a checklist and a, a system attached to it to try to figure out which one you are and which one you're not. The Spirit moves. And so I'll tell you, as we keep going, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit is not found by doing an activity. Like, not just, it's not found when I sit up and I just say, I'm going to teach, because that's the role that I play. That's not when God reveals himself. God reveals himself 
as I partner with him and as I seek to have his heart. Like, that's huge. As I partner with him and seek to have his heart. In fact, we're going to read this. We're going to dive into these gifts. You're going to take a lot of notes, those note people. And then we're going to end with this command, this warning that Paul has at the end. Because if we don't have God's heart, it will not be a spiritual gift of him. It will not be a pneumaticos of him. And so that's huge. We, we have to have his heart. And so I, this is just a fun little note. The common good, you know, it says the manifestation of the Spirit is only for the common good. Well, the common good only occurs as the Holy Spirit is revealed through us. We can't make the common good happen. You can't actually care about the person next to you without God's help. Like, do you, like, do you realize that? Like, he's in me and of me. If I'm actually going to love them, I need to ask him how. Like, how are you already loving them that I may be a part of it? The common good happens as he is revealed. And so I just, I want good to happen in this church. But I will tell you a huge fear of mine, and my wife can speak this, those who know me try to speak this often, a huge lie that I hear and believe is you're all alone. Anyone else feel that sometimes? You're all alone. So I see this desire to do the common good, but the common good will not happen if the Holy Spirit isn't revealed in us. But it's not revealed in Greg. The Holy Spirit is revealed in his people as we live together. And so this is where I'm going to, I need, as we dive into these gifts, some of you are going to have to step out of timidity because you're needed. Some of you are going to have to step out of, of just sitting on the outside because you like to either judge or be critical. Uh, you got to call out the criticism and step into the wisdom. Like some of you are going to have to do this as we move forward because I want common good on Truest Avenue. I want common good to happen for your sake, for my kids' sake, for those who don't know God. And so you have a part in this. So he continues and he says, four to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And to another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Here's a fun little, response, uh, fun little side. The NIV says miraculous powers, and little 13-year-old Greg loved that. I was like, Jesus, if you could do anything in my life, can you just give me miraculous powers? Like, like Superman, I will be like, I will be humble if you do. And I, I just remember, I honestly prayed that so many times as a little kid, like, give me miraculous power. What does that mean? I want it. Like, I'll do it for you, Jesus. It was so funny. So anyways, here it says, the working of miracles. Uh, that, you know, that's still good. Uh, to another prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are empowered by one. All of those. Meaning those sadly can happen at times where there's wisdom or things spoken or uh, this, I, this look, this uh, idea or a... Uh, a counterfeit miracle, but all of these things happen and are empowered by the Holy Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The wind blows. He apportions it to as he wills. And what I love, if you, as we get into this, the word individually is really cool. So like, you know, we're talking about individually and it's not good, but here it's really cool. This word means one's own property. Like, it literally, he apportions to each one's own property as he wills. I liked that because it's like this, God has granted me the ability to steward something well. His presence, he's granted us the ability to steward his presence well. The revelation of him in the world, to, to, to steward it well. And so that's what we're going to do as we continue to read, uh, because the we're going to dive into these. Now, there's some of these that uh, you have to look at, at uh, historical tradition. There's others that Jesus performed, and so we're going to talk through this. But we're just talking about these nine today, all right? Um, so we're going to talk about these nine. I'm going to give the warning at the end. I hope you're taking notes because it's going to be a little fast. Are you ready for this? Um, one by one, he says words of wisdom. 
words of wisdom that the Lord makes himself known in moments where there's a word of wisdom. Some of you are gifted in these ways, words of wisdom. It means in a very beautiful way that the Lord, the Spirit of God, has given you the ability to communicate practical understanding of God's ways, of his word sometimes. You're giving real-life counsel in moments. Uh, There's this power where where it comes from nowhere at times, but it's where uh, it, it lines, where what God says in his word is often communicated and understood in a moment by a word you gave. Sometimes a word of wisdom helps someone get out of a hard place, where James says, pray for wisdom, and he will give it. Sometimes he may give it from the brother. He's like, hey, I just feel like this is for you. Where the Spirit says this in, in Psalms, whatever, whatever, like that's just etched in where you're going through, and I just feel like he's leading you. There's wisdom attached. I had a, uh, one of my mentors when I was in high school uh, had words of wisdom. He was the most goofiest of guys, like literally chaotic guy, one of the most funniest people I've ever met in my life, but then a switch would be made, and he would speak over you and into you something with so much wisdom, and you were just like, <sighs> but the, the tell, this is the beautiful part. Are you ready? When someone grants a word of wisdom, it's really neat because when it happens, the person in a humble state will almost always believe that they themselves needed to hear that too. Anyone else like feel like that? Like you gave a word of wisdom, but you're like, oh God, I needed to hear that too. Like that's, it wrecked me too. Like that's, that was this guy in my life. He would speak, but then he would also, because what happens in a word of wisdom is a uniting that happens in the following Christ. There's never this uh, counsel, you know, where like, you get counseled by a counselor, and literally they are not allowed to disclose anything to you. They're not allowed to be in your life. A word of wisdom connects you with the person. It's a buildup of the body. And so that's really cool. Uh, and sometimes, like, they don't want to hear it. Uh, I did uh, tell this person that I was going to tell a story. I've, I've laid a word of wisdom, and sometimes the word of wisdom is just like a little phrase, and it wasn't heard well. Anyone else? You're just like, eh, okay, that's fun. Uh, that's fun. Um, it's a seed that sometimes gets planted, right? Some of the words of wisdom I'm, I experience, and I, I have said something, and it just connects, and eyes are open. You're like, oh, my gosh, let's walk this together. Other times you're like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> in one particular moment, I told the, this, this guy who was really struggling and with what to do. He was coming to me wanting me to be an authoritative, do this, don't do that. And I said, I was just like, all I was supposed to say was, hang in there. Hang in there. And I didn't know until like months later that that like hit him. He was very angry with me about it. Like, did he not care? Like, I just needed something to do. And I was like, I feel all I needed to say was wait, you know, hang in there. The Lord will work. And so now it's this thing he wrote on my birthday card, hang in there. Because now he, he had, like, it, it has come, like the, the seed has planted. When we're in a bind, when we don't know what to do, the word of wisdom, hang in there. And so that's cool. Uh, the next one uh, is words of knowledge. Now, I will tell you right now at first what this isn't, and then we can dive into what it is. Um, because I grew up, and I was talking to Kate uh, I grew up with the idea, and when you're taking assessment, it asks questions like, hey, do you like to study the Word of God? Say five if you do, one if you don't. Do you, are you really good at remembering data? Put a five if you are and a one if you're not. And, and then at the end of all of this, you're like, well, I do like the Bible. I do read it. You, you know truths of the Bible. Okay, I'll put that. At the end, it says you have the gift of knowledge. And you're like, all right, what does that mean? And, and that's what it, 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 this is not a comprehensive understanding of God's word. Do you know why I say that? Because then you're like, he's a teacher, the pastor, obviously, because knowledge people are supposed to be teachers, so the pastor will then inevitably know the word more than me. That's what the, whew, can I just, it is, it is bad when a church believes that the 
word of knowledge is given to the teacher on the stage uh, in the context of he knows the Bible and I just can't ever know the Bible because I'm not gifted in that way. I can't know the Bible as much as him. That's just, ugh, that's wrong. Scripture says we want to be like David where his word, the word was like, like honey to my lips. Where Scripture says, except with meekness, the word that's implanted in you, guys, you should know Scripture. You should have an awareness, a, a desire to study God's word. Not because that's a gift from the Holy Spirit, but because that is what it looks like to partner with God. Does that make sense? So, I just, I'm sorry, that was a little aside. I'm like, Kate, I just was talking, hey, Kate, I will never apparently like know as much as the teacher because they're gifted in the knowledge. And I just, you know, like second grade knowledge, right? Like that's just such a lie. So what is then a word of knowledge? A word of knowledge uh, is beautifully displayed in John 4, 17, when Jesus at a woman of well says, you're right, you are not married. And the man, you've been married like five times actually, and the man that you're living with right now is not your husband. A word of knowledge is sometimes this unknown that is now known where, uh, can I just, this is a beautiful thing, where words of wisdom grant understanding to someone, a word of knowledge will make someone feel understood. Does that, do you, do you? Yeah, I will. That's not a note. That just came out. Uh, where words of wisdom grant understanding for people, a word of knowledge makes people feel understood, seen. And now sometimes you feel exposed, seen. Ha! He knows that I'm now living with a man that is not mine. But that open door of knowing that could only be from God. And those are the moments when it's like that could only be from God. There is no Google amount that you could do of my life to know that about me. That could only be of God. You feel known. And this is beautiful when it happens, not out of arrogance. It's not to be done out of, out of a, uh, uh, I want to show that I can just pick this out. And this is where love comes into play. Because for a long time, I thought it was just my intuition that I could spot an addiction or I thought it was my intuition that I could spot a lie in someone. But sometimes, like, it's a word of knowledge that the Lord has given. Hey, they're sleeping with their boyfriend, and it has become bad. It is, it, it will want, like, it has become this, this, this heaviness over their life, and uh, they look like they're not. And so word of knowledge, oh, I have to be the one to say this. Speak. But it's the times when we do so in love and not in arrogance. Speak. Someone can feel seen. Someone can feel loved. Someone can feel understood. God's word is made known. And so that is that one. It is exciting to, to be a part of people uh, and to be a setting where that happens. Uh, the next one, Paul says, to another, faith is given. Faith. Now, once again, this is not, you know, the faith that we all should all have. This is a, uh, the revelation of God's spirit when something heavy occurs and yet this person feels and looks and appears unmoved and they're standing confidently in their belief of God. Like this is powerful when a, a family in our church that we sent, uh, we were sent from, uh, they lost their three-year-old boy. There was a wave of transformation that happened in our church because of the faith of this couple. You see, you know when it's the manifestation of this gift because lives around them are empowered and change. It's not about the faith of the individual anymore. Now it's about the revelation. They see God in them. Like, I see God in that decision. I see God in their ability to be risky, in their ability to be confident despite, despite anything. That's the beauty of this. Uh, and that sometimes... Uh, <laughs> It goes against culture because our culture is all about safety. Our culture is all about comfort. The, when the spirit manifests in faith, it's the person who is not afraid to be risky. Out of nowhere, they will make a statement. 
they will take a stand. And it's never to show themselves, but inevitably, inevitably, it will always empower the people around them. In fact, if I can just be, uh, I am able to stand strong up here. Because there are key people, okay, no, <laughs> there are key people who the Lord has manifested faith in to follow us here, to be with us here. And when they stand strong, it literally empowers the people beside them to stand strong. That is when it's a gift of faith. Does that make sense? I'm over here. It's okay. (laughs) And it's interesting because it's often the people that think uh, in terms of fear, think in terms of uh, of I safety. Sometimes the enemy wants to put that on, like you have to be safe. But that person is often the one that's like, (laughs) and they do it, and then everyone is like impacted. That's faith. Okay, I got to keep going. The next one. Uh, the next one is gifts of healing. And uh, I put the, the parentheses there. Is this is the only time that the word um, is plural. And I told you, I love my plurals. Like, I love it. This is really cool because this, this isn't a gift of the Spirit singular anymore. This is gifts of healing. And it's really neat. Uh, that means not just physical healing. Many, many theologians think God desires healing of the whole self. And so the whole self, that's relationally healing. There's, there's people who, uh, who when the Lord like works in their life and they like step in and want to partner with him, relationships are healed around them. There's, uh, that's emotionally healed. That is uh, mentally healed. Like there's all these things, it's not just healing like from a broken leg, though that is healing. It's all the things. And so I just, uh, the beauty is that it is an alignment with the heart of God to make things complete. The one who claims to be healer, a healer, yet does not desire to make people complete in the image of God, then they are they're missing it. it that, you want to know why, why amazing healing can happen is because in the moment, the presence of God fills them with compassion. They look, and it's like a sheep without a shepherd. This person's incomplete. And love empowers the prayers that will be prayed. Does this make sense? And a gift of healing, gifts of healing is so powerful. I want this to be experienced in our church, but our culture likes to make it so kooky. Our God desires for healing. I've experienced that in my wife. Uh, She had a hard pregnancy with Autumn. Uh, legit, some of you don't know this, uh, Autumn was supposed to die or Kate was supposed to die. Uh, there was a, a vein covering her cervix and one of them, they couldn't tell at the time whose vein it was. Um, and Kate just knew uh, that, that Autumn was going to be the one to live. And I prayed. I don't, I don't, I've never experienced healing, uh, like, personally, but I prayed. I said, I believe God's will is greater than this, that God's will is so fluid that his will is actually for you to speak to me and for me to stand with you. Does that make sense? Like, sometimes you, God's will may be that thing, but his will is also for you to do that thing so that it leads other people to do that thing that's actually his will as well. Does that make sense? It's a beautiful thing. So I prayed. God, will you heal? Let this not be so. And you guys have both seen both of those beautiful faces. Um, there, there are healings that occur. Jesus wants to heal the whole self because it's more, he wants to heal relationally. It's not just about a life. It's also about a marriage, right? It's not just about a life. It's also about uh, a, 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 an identity. You know, there's so much that is happening. And so the next one, is the working of miracles. <laughs> the miraculous powers. Jesus, just let me be like Superman, <laughs> please. I'll take the x-ray visions. I'll fly. Like, come on, I will use it for you. <laughs> That's not... Uh, 
working of miracles is literally the ability to do everything that you see Jesus do because he says, you will do more than what you've seen me do. The working of miracles is when someone is uh, struggling with the, the demonic, the miracle of release, of deliverance. Miracles occur daily. We distract ourselves from it because we want to make an understanding. But I love the word miracle is the word dunamis, dynamis. I don't know. I struggle with words sometimes. D-Y, all right? Uh, and it's where the word dynamite comes from. Power is where the, the world, it, it dynamite, the ability. Sometimes the word miracle is talked about as the army of God, like it, that word. And it's beautiful. It's signs, wonders, where instantly the army and presence of God fills a room. A miracle can happen. Miracle happens. Uh, and so that, that is that one. And then it continues, prophecy. Prophecy is a word, a phrase, a scripture, a picture, a short film, a sense, a dream, a vision. The, the prophecy is the ability for God to speak through an individual in a way that will empower, it will be for the, the, the betterment of that individual. Like, I, I, uh, I'll just tell you, I was a skeptic like nobody's business all growing up, all growing up, of what this word meant. And I had a guy, and I'm sorry, I knew that this was going to take a, be a long sermon because we're diving through this, so I'm sorry if you do need, yeah, good, cool. Uh, I just want to just pay attention to those on the podcast. Sorry, this is a long one. Uh, prophecy, I heard it explained the best, and I put my walls down to, to, deal, to, to be present with this person. He said, you have to realize prophecy is not what you are afraid of it to be. It's not what the enemy has made it out to be or where arrogance lies. That's not the spirit of prophecy. That's not like the gift. That's not the manifestation of God. It's, it's the, the individual asking, Lord, the thoughts that you have for this person are as numerous as the sand on the seashores, right? That's scripture. The thoughts, what he thinks about you, the thoughts that he has are as numerous. And so prophecies, God, like, what is one of those little grains that I may just, I may just be used in this place to love them? Show me how you're seeing them. And then it's the submission, the awareness. This is not the end all be all. This is one little tiny grain. And when he said that to me, I was like, I I'm signed up. Like that's, that, that, that makes sense because it's not an everything. It is a piece the piece that you needed to hear in the moment. And so uh, there's multiple things that it comes in. Some of you dream. Sometimes that's a prophetic dream, and it's not supposed to stay in your head. It's supposed to be communicated to the body of Christ with the body to be worked out, to talk through. Sometimes it is an image, and you don't know why. You don't always have to know why. You just tell it to the person, like talk with it out. Uh, with the people. Sometimes it is a act, like an actual thing, like an actual little snippet, a video in your head, and you ask the Lord to, to keep go to bring it understanding, and you say it. Now, this is, this is strange. I get it, but it's so powerful when things like this occur. Um, for instance, uh, I have I've been prophesied over um, and it makes, once again, the point, just like the word of knowledge, to make the person feel seen, it, it allows the person to feel seen by the Father, to, to be prodded sometimes by the Spirit, right? Like to give uh, direction, prophecy, uh, prophecy the, Paul says, is good for, you know, exhortation, it's good for edification, and it's good for comfort, he says. Like it is to bring someone either out of something to another thing, or to comfort them in something, or to fire them up for what's next, like to exhort them. Like that's the, the power of prophecy, but again, it's not about the prophet, right? A good prophet, a good person who has a word will always say, uh, lead with this. I think that the Lord, or I see, 
and you take it or leave it. Like, I see this, but let the Lord define. Now, sometimes the person can make definitions. I Embarrassing story of Greg. Uh, really early on in life, I started just, you know, I could see that happening. I could see that happening. Well, there was this girl, um, I'm not going to say her name because it would be one random thing that she watches this. Uh, this girl, and I just saw me standing next to her in a white dress. Like, I did. Like, saw, and I just, like, knew there was some connection, some relation. And I was just like, I told, I'm the idiot who told my brother this. And he's like, oh, you're going to marry. And I went through a hardship, my mom passing away. Uh, I worked uh, through, through things and was finding healing. And uh, it was really cool. There was this thing called Mr. and Miss GHS at my high school, uh, Mr. and Miss Greenwood High School. Yeah. Um, I went through it, and I shared my testimony with the judges um, because there was like a Q&A, and so I'm telling them all about Jesus, so telling them about my mom's death and what it has meant for me. Uh, I somehow won the whole thing. So did this girl who wore a white dress and me and blasted all over our school was the pictures of us standing on stage together in a white dress and everything. And I was like, oh, I tried to define it myself. This is awkward. Like, why did I do this? And I just embarrassed. So that's honestly the last time I ever tried to pay attention to any thought that I had until God started healing me. Like literally, that was literally, I'm like, I'm never going to be wrong again. If you know me, I hate being wrong. Like, it's just, it's like, like it's a, it keeps me up at night. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, so like I, that kept me from wanting to say anything for the longest time to people until the Lord is like, you don't, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And so the next one, ability to distinguish between the spirits. Uh, I am so sorry. I'm going to keep going fast. Woo. Uh, discernment. Uh, I'm just going to read exactly what I wrote so that I don't go crazy. It is the ability to sense whether an action, a person, an attitude is of the spirit of God or of the world, the enemy, the flesh. It's this uncanny ability to detect what is of Jesus and what is not Jesus. It's a moment when you say, like, I, God, will you just give me direction? Like, I just don't feel correct. Like, what is this? And often it's the, this is, I, I'm so blessed by the people who the, the Spirit manifests in this way in their life because they know what are lies and what are not. Uh, they know what are right beliefs and what are wrong beliefs. This is in me, like, this is a spirit of discernment comes when I talk to someone and I can say, I know truth and that is not it, right? Like I know my Holy Spirit. I know my God. Those are not his words. That's when Jesus can speak uh, to the enemy who is speaking to him the words of God and say, that may sound like my God's words. I know my father. That is not him. Does that make sense? This is the ability to say, I know God, and that's not him. I know hope, and that is not hope. I know joy, and that is not joy. That's a, that's a wrong attitude. Some of you, like the ability to say, hey, I know strength. I know power, and that's not it. I know love, and that's not love. We need people in our church who stand up to say, like, I know love. And that isn't love. I can distinguish between the spirits. That I know, I know what hum humility is. And sitting back is not humility. That's a different spirit. Let me distinguish between this with you, right? I know what humility is. The, the spirit of my Savior Jesus who emptied himself. You're not emptying yourself. You're not even doing anything with yourself. That's not humble, right? Like, and so the ability to, to distinguish, all right. Another one, various kinds of tongues. This is like tongues of men, tongues of angels. Paul talks extensively at the end of this saying, hey, 
what you're acting like, this is the end all be all. But he puts it at the lower of the list for a reason because he says, I want you to desire prophecy, that which builds up the body of Christ. Because tongues, tongues of man, tongues of angels, uh, often comes in a very intimate and individual connection with you and the Lord. Um, which, like, I don't have a prayer language. I don't speak in tongues of angels. Some people in our church do, but they also know that this is an individual thing. Uh, and if I do feel led to say it, the next thing will be present if it's done properly, that there is an interpretation of the tongue. But also there's a definition also given by Acts chapter 3, when the, the Holy Spirit fell, tongues of angels, and they started speaking in the tongues of men. And the surrounding men were here from all over. Right? That's what it says in Acts 3. And they heard the gospel in their own tongue. That's also various kinds of tongues. Tongues of man, the ability to speak a language in an instance. That is not your language for the glory of God that people are seeing. So there's all different kinds of tongues again, but Paul saying like the one that's for you individually, this individual prayer life, that if you speak in tongues of angels in your intimacy with the Lord, keep remembering that that is not the edifying gift that I've also called. Many times people who speak in tongues also have other gifts of the body too. And so it's not their only and they need to realize that in proportion, Paul says very clearly, it's not about you, and it's not about your connection with God. It's about his work in the body, like what he's doing, the Lord's call. So allow tongues to be used in your life. Allow it. But ask the Lord how you can benefit the body, and also do that. Does that make sense? Uh, so the next one is interpretation of tongues, the ability to understand the dialect of man and of angels for the edification, the encouragement of God's people. And then he continues in verse 29, and this is the warning. He says, are all apostles. Can you put that up for me? Are all apostles, are all prophets. Do all these, these gifts reside in one individual in the role? Are, do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? He's, he's literally trying to say, no, there's individuals for a reason because we're one. But he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. And then chapter 12 ends and chapter 13 begins. Now, here's the warning, Glory family, as we close this morning. He says, desire to be used by the Spirit, which, Glory family, desire to be used by the Spirit. But I, I'm going to take my place of Paul, I will show you a more excellent way. He says, if you speak in tongues, but do not love you are a clashing symbol, distracting, bringing like bringing anger, bringing frustration. You are a clashing symbol if you prophesy, but do not love. You have nothing. If you give to everyone, but do not love, you have, you are, you gain nothing. Do you want to know the excellent way? Love. Because if you are going to operate with the Spirit of God, you will do so in his heart. Love. God is love. Here's the warning, the heart check. If you do not love, you will not do the pneumaticos of the Spirit of God. It is the compassion of Jesus being able to see that is a sheep without a shepherd that says, God, what do you have for them that I may just be a part of it? There's a humility attached to this love must be etched in all that we do at Glory Church or it is about a different spirit is in line with a different attitude. So love, love. It's all about love. And I've seen this displayed in my life. Uh, some of you, it was my birthday uh, this past week, and someone said, like, I just am so afraid sometimes when Greg looks at me. And I'm like, do all people feel that way? I just, like, talked. Uh, and uh, do all people feel that way? And I actually heard, like, a lot of people were like, well, there's this one, there's these moments when you just, like, look at us. And like, I'm not, this is not, uh, you know me, this is not about me at all. I, I've discovered this past year that when I actually sit and listen to someone and look in their eyes as I talk to them and start saying, God, you love this person 
something shifts in my eyes. Like, and in the moment, like I can say something. And again, it might be something I need to hear as well, but I might say something. I might understand them a little bit more. I might be able to have compassion, but it's not, again, me. It's because I'm looking at them in their eyes, and I feel love. Now, that's hard to do sometimes because I'm like, I'm looking on, you know, like I just want to. <laughs> and so that's why it's not always, you know. Like, but it's love. The ability to sit with someone and be present. Say, God, be used. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.